Welcome to Musings with Rob. Today we're talking to Robbie Atkinson, CEO and Director of the Foundation for Interethnic Restoration. Robbie, can you tell us a little bit about the organization? What is it? What does it do? And what is its mission? FIRE is an organization that extends resources in the form of therapy to individuals belonging to different communities and ethnic groups who have been subjected to and traumatized by encounters with racism. And that racism can take the form of an exchange between individuals or groups of people, or it can take the form of something prolonged and repeated that was systemic and or systematic uh, through a corporate realm, educational, medical, uh, what have you. Our mission and our goal with this foundation is that Bringing people together will force them to have these difficult conversations that, technically speaking, according to the books, right, there's no such thing as actual healing that can take place in therapy. But the objective is that even in bringing these individuals together and getting them to talk about their experiences, we can get them to identify their trauma or at least foster a moment of catharsis to help them transition on from those feelings. And then we consider how their feelings have shaped their mindset, how their feelings have shaped their perspective, how have they operated within their life? Have they operated from a place of pain, a place of distrust? Have they looked at other ethnic groups with a sense of contempt or with a sense of anger, with a sense of fear? Overall, getting people to understand the feelings they have within themselves that have festered as a result of their trauma and their experience with racism then gets them to perhaps consider and understand how their mindset as a result of the trauma reflects in their behavior and their interaction with others. This concept, this process is very much like the analogy of a child on a bicycle, right? One child is on his bicycle He runs into a rock, say he falls off his bike, he skins his knee. When he identifies where his knee is swollen, where the skin has been peeled, when he identifies whether or not he's broken any bones, when he understands the severity of his injury, he's able to dress it and nurse himself back to health. Or if he's not capable of doing it himself, he can go to an individual that can take care of that. Normally, that's a caretaker or maybe the caretaker takes him to the doctor and the doctor, some kind of specialist is able to help them facilitate that process. The other child, same situation. They're on their bicycle. They hit a rock. They fall off of their bicycle. They skin their knee. But you see, they don't treat the wound. They act like the wound is not there and they're told to move on and go on with life. Then what happens is that child ends up walking around with an injured knee. And anytime anyone gets super close to that knee, the child becomes aggressive or the child becomes very protective. Perhaps some people see the wound. Perhaps some people see it and they don't understand it. But the point of the fact is that denying its existence and not taking steps towards fixing it does more damage than good. Then the wound becomes infected. And that creates a domino effect of several other problems for this child because they can't bend their knee properly. They probably can't put on their pants properly. They are impacted in other aspects of their life. And I believe that that's what racism has been to America. It's been a wound dealt to the body of American society. 
and it has such an extensive domino effect. It's so deeply ingrained in American history that sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes it's not. And regardless of whether or not you see it, there are communities, there are groups of people, there are ethnic groups that are impacted by this. And more often than not, their their perspective, their feelings, they've been invalidated. Can you imagine what that does to a person? Generation after generation after generation. Can you imagine how that divides people? Because everyone's perspective and everyone's experience is so different. These are the kinds of things that I would like for FIRE to bring people together to talk about. This is what FIRE is about. This is what we want to tackle. What was your motivation for starting this organization? The overarching reason behind why I felt the need to start FIRE stems from a number of dialogue with different colleagues, different people from different walks of life. Um, and and something that kind of stood out to me was, especially in lieu of COVID-19, and then right on top of that, we have the Black Lives Matter movement. George Floyd was killed by a police officer in the midst of that trial, in the midst of all of these different black bodies suddenly appearing, you're hearing that this person was killed and that person was killed. And suddenly there were subjects about black society being criminalized. And all of these questions start to come up. You start doing your research. Then you find out about the riots of 1992 in L.A. You find out about the black teenage girl who was shot by the Korean store owner and how during the riots of that time period, a lot of Korean store owners were attacked. Their stores were burnt down. They were looted. And all of this was important because when you talk to different people about where they stood in Black Lives Matter, it saddened me to hear some people say, and I heard this quite often, oh, I don't want to support this cause or I don't want to support these people. You know, why should we ban with them? You know, during the riots, they looted our stores. Or some people would say, oh, well, you know, during the the civil rights movement, when black people were being hosed down, no one cared. No one came to our rescue. You know, this community or that community didn't come and join us. They didn't help us. They didn't care. Um, I had some colleagues who were younger talk about when they were in school, they were bullied by a certain group of kids. And it made them develop a kind of apprehension towards that whole community and vice versa. Um just story after story. One one story that really stood out to me was a Zoom meeting that I was having with a colleague. She was a, a young black woman in her 20s. And she talked about her experience with racism within the medical field. She talked about how one day she ate something and it made her allergies flare up. And she told her mother, oh, I need to go to the doctor. And her mother said, OK, go ahead. And, I mean, she was fine. She was fine. So she calmly drove to the doctor and she arrived at this hospital. And she she went to the front desk and she asked for her EpiPen and they dismissed her. They completely pushed her to the side. And eventually, of course, as you can imagine, her, her allergies, they intensified. Her face was swollen. She was itching. Her throat was closing up. She went up to the desk several times and asked them. She said, please, can you just give me my EpiPen? I can be out of your way. Please just give me my EpiPen. And Again, she was discarded. She was pushed to the side. She was dismissed. And she sat there in agony. And eventually she started to puke. And what happened was the other white patients who were sitting in the waiting room brought to the attention of the desk clerk that something was seriously wrong with her. When the clerk saw that, then she finally went and gave her the EpiPen. As she was telling me the story, she started to cry. 
And I realized that she was crying because what she experienced was so hurtful to be so to be disregarded so easily for your pain to be completely diminished and unaccounted for it to take someone else of another race to come up to a person who has a position to help you or just has authority and tell them something is wrong. Please help this person for for it to have gotten to that point is heartbreaking. And it's 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 hurtful. It makes you feel as if your voice doesn't matter. And as she was telling me this and as she was starting to cry, she explained to me that long after that allergy flare, she couldn't even eat applesauce for weeks. She couldn't even eat applesauce because her her throat had closed up that much. And there are so many stories like that, countless stories of people who experienced racism in the medical system, in the education system, in the corporate sense. There are so many stories of kids who experience racism in school from their teachers, from their peers. It shaped the way they behave towards one another. It, it, they carry that pain because who do you talk to about that? And I, I felt that the George Floyd killing brought up many comments that I believe would not have been said out loud and so comfortably and so confidently otherwise. And it made it evident to me that our society needed something that brought people together so that they could deliberately so that they could deliberately voice their pain and their experiences so that there can be some type of reconciliation, some type of catharsis, some type of relief. You see, the acronym FIRE comes from the full name, Foundation for Interethnic Restoration. And, and that's what I believe that these conversations will create is, is restoration for these communities that have internalized this pain for so long. I noticed the Atlanta in your name. Are you limited only to Atlanta or are you focused on a broader scope? Seeing that we're a relatively new foundation, we're relatively small, we're based in Atlanta, uh, we're operating chiefly within Atlanta. I do envision a time when this foundation can spread and can offer services to communities all throughout the United States. And eventually it can become an international phenomenon. Now, I'm aware that there are a few organizations doing something similar. So I imagine a collaboration between us two or some type of some type of service to an international crowd is something that I do eventually envision for the future. So for now, one can only wait and see, just build and, and see how high we can reach. Robbie, it was a pleasure having you with us. Is there anything else you want to share with us? Oh, thank you. Um, honestly, it was an honor to be able to participate in this podcast. I hope that everyone listening is able to spread word about FIRE. If you get the chance, visit our website, www.fieratlanta.org, and support, donate, so that we can grow this foundation and, and we can make a change. We can, we can help people. Today, we were joined by Robbie Atkinson, director and CEO of the Foundation for Interethnic Restoration. You have been listening to Musings with Rob. Please join us again next time.